You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I want to welcome you to a special series, Focus on Diabetes. I'm Dr. Danny Petrasic, your host, and with me today is Dr. Ron Wilder. Dr. Wilder is an MD-PhD, and he is Vice President of Clinical Research at Macrogenics. Dr. Wilder has an impressive history, which I won't get into now, but he, among other things, was chief of a whole section of inflammatory diseases at the NIH for 25 years. Today, we're going to be focusing on novel therapies for type 1 diabetes. Welcome to the program, Dr. Wilder. Thank you very much. I just wanted to begin by apologizing. I looked through your biography, and it would probably take up the whole segment to repeat what you've done and the hundreds of publications you've been involved with. But I wanted to get in today and maybe get your impression and sort of worldview about what type diabetes is, the way we look at it today, perhaps a little bit deeper about our current understanding of how the disease evolves. Maybe you could fill us in a little bit. Okay. Well, I think to make clear, the topic is type 1, or I often try to use the word, this is autoimmune diabetes, to be distinguished from type 2 diabetes, which we don't typically think of as autoimmune. Type 1 diabetes is a disease that typically strikes children, adolescents, but also can strike adults, and we do see individuals as old as 80 years old developing autoimmune, but the peak incidence is clearly in the teenage years, 12, 13, 14-year-old would be a typical case. These are individuals where the pathophysiologic problem is one of a an immune-mediated attack on the pancreatic beta cells. And over time, there is a loss of beta cells and the ability to produce insulin. The disease, unfortunately, in its early phases is asymptomatic. The subject is not aware of the problem. And at some point in time, when anywhere from 50 to 80% of the cells have become dysfunctional or physically lost, some precipitating event such as an infection will lead to a catastrophe with total loss of ability to control glucose and produce insulin. Dr. Wilder, do we have any strong feeling about what is the etiology of the autoimmune process? Is it initiated by some viral infection or is it we just plain don't know? I think there are a range of triggers and viruses I think are probably at the head of the list, but Even more important uh, appears to be a genetic predisposition, which is turning out to be very, very complex. It's abundantly apparent that type 1 diabetes runs in families. One frequently sees SIBs or other first and second degree relatives with the disease. And it also tends to cluster with other autoimmune diseases, such as thyroid disease, as an example. So there is an inherited tendency to this. So there are individuals are born with the propensity to develop the disease, and then at some point in time, some external agent, whether it be a virus or there may be many, many different types of triggers, leads to the decompensation. But the ultimate process, as we understand it, is the development of a T-cell-mediated destruction injury of the pancreatic beta cells. That's the key physiologic process that we would like to reverse. I know you kind of mentioned the time course in the clinical presentation a bit. What would be 
in your mind, the concept behind trying to interfere with this autoimmune attack that people have been thinking about with respect to type 1 diabetes? Well, it's become very clear with time that there is a very specific, actually normal, natural mechanism of immunity that has become uncontrolled and self-directed and is not checked. And again, I used the word a moment ago, T effector cells. And these are T effector cells that recognize pancreatic beta cell antigens and lead to the destruction. So certainly one part of any kind of therapeutic reversal of this process is to check the activity of those cells. The research community has been thinking about this for a number of years and has tried approaches where the one tries to go in and actually kill these T cells. That actually is partly successful, but it has the downside that not only does it eradicate the effector cells destroy the beta cells, it, it eradicates other cells that have a normal protective function. What has evolved is that there are natural mechanisms that check this activity. One has to back up and ask the question, why is it that one develops a self-generated immune response? And what are the normal mechanisms to keep these in check? And this falls into a topic which we call tolerance. And as researchers have looked in more detail as to how tolerance is generated, another class of T-cells has become on the radar screen. We call Treg cells. And this cell population in diabetics is uh, deficient in number and in activity. So the concept has arisen, as opposed to trying to just go in and kill T-cells, why don't we try a more subtle mechanism to harness and to enhance normal regulatory mechanisms. So the concept really is one of let's check, inhibit effector cells, and try to induce and reestablish the Treg population. It's much, think of it as trying to rebalance the immune system as opposed to wiping out and killing and eliminating the T-cell immune system. We're trying to rebalance and reset the rheostat. We also use the word reprogramming. We're trying to reprogram the immune system such that we can get this kind of balance. If you're just joining us and you're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals, I'm Dr. Danny Petrasic, and my guest today is Dr. Ron Wilder, and this is a special series on focus of diabetes the scenario that you're describing, is that scenario already when a person is in the process of an autoimmune disease, or are they sort of already, you know, pre-disease, are they already imbalanced? At what stage are we talking about when we're talking about this Treg depletion and so forth? Well, we're going to try to enhance the Tregs, and we're going to try to inhibit the effector cells. So this process actually starts in an asymptomatic stage. So the challenge we've got is to ultimately identify individuals as early in the process as we can to try to check the effector mechanisms and reestablish the balance. We're getting better and better at identifying early who those individuals are, but the current state of research is really focusing on those individuals that have had recent onset of type 1 diabetes. Certainly, we've got a bigger challenge if we take a type 1 diabetic who's had years and years of disease and all of their beta cells are gone. To restore the beta cells is a more challenging process. So where we are with investigation at this point in time, let's get in and see if we can 
preserve and restore function in patients with uh, recent onset disease. Ultimately, if this is successful, we want to get better and better in identifying individuals who are still in the pre-symptomatic stage of the disease. And then as we move further, we'll see if we can come back and uh, reestablish control and beta cell function in individuals who have had disease for multiple years. But most of the focus at this point in time is on the recent onset disease. So clearly one way in which you could identify individuals that you've alluded to was perhaps a screening of, let's say, some sort of genetic screening, looking at their HLA types or something so that you can, let's say, identify those who are vulnerable. But if we're focusing right now on our therapies of those that have recent onset diabetes, maybe you could give us an idea of what percentage of the beta cell mass is present for most patients that are presenting with type 1 diabetes clinically. Okay, that's actually a very debatable, ongoing discussion. So if you pick up typical textbooks is what's written, it it will say that a a diabetic at presentation has had 80% of their beta cells destroyed. The recent data have argued that that probably is an overstatement of actually what's going on. In part, we say this, one, there's total loss of a cell, And then there are cells that are dysfunctional or exhausted because of the stresses going on. There is a population of cells that are just not functioning up to par. When we actually put that together, it suggests that many patients present with total beta cell mass at 50%. There is substantial number of cells that can recover. The other very interesting subject that is evolving, in fact, is evolving over those things that are appearing as late as this last month, is the question of if one could stop beta cell killing going on, could the residual cells regenerate? It has been said for a long period of time that the beta cell was a terminally differentiated cell and did not have the ability to divide and to grow new cells. Very striking definitive data coming out of studies in mice, which are a good surrogate for this disease, suggest that beta cells can regenerate. So in terms of a therapeutic opportunity, the first level is just to preserve those cells that are there and to have no further destruction to maintain some level of ability to produce insulin. Second level would be to allow the dysfunctional cells to recover so that you could actually have a gain over what you had at presentation. And the third level would be to actually see some regeneration of cells. I guess I, since I'm on this topic, then a fourth level, if one wanted to consider it, is the possibility of using these types of therapies and actually giving beta cells back as transplants. So there's multiple levels that one could envision intervening. Having said that, we're actually focusing on all four. Very interesting. I wanted just to get back for a second. When people present with type 1 diabetes, there's often a subject or a term that they use, a honeymoon phase, where for whatever reason, it seems that they sort of regain function again. Does that touch upon some of the things that you mentioned before? It certainly does. And I think as what we are understanding the honeymoon phase to be is a recovery of a substantial part of the cells that we originally thought of as dysfunctional. So in the setting of acute decompensation of type 1 diabetics, glucotoxicity, inflammatory factors, and the like can lead to dysfunction of beta cells and the inability 
to produce insulin. If one can eliminate the glucotoxicity, etc., you can actually have a recovery of some of those dysfunctional cells and leads to the what you've called as a honeymoon phase. Some patients can get to the point they require very, very little insulin. Typical standard of care therapy, though, that period of time is limited in that the T-cell-mediated autoimmune attack on the beta cells is still ongoing. So ultimately, that honeymoon period, unless one does something, will go away. How long is it believed to last, that honeymoon phase where you could sort of persist with some beta cell function without intervention? Probably six to eight months at best. Rarely, you'll go a year. I would very much like to thank Dr. Ron Wilder, who's been our guest today. And we've been discussing specific therapies for type 1 diabetes. And you have been listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. 